The queen bee doesn't go anywhere. I mean, when she does, then, you know, the other bees are following her, but she is basically in the cells, in the beehive, being catered to and being taken care of because even the bees know that this is how our species will continue to evolve. Hello and welcome to the Confidential Podcast, where we discuss and demystify life and everything that impacts it. I'm Simone Gisondi, author, health strategist, life transformation consultant, and overall life enthusiast. I dive deep into the fascinating world of life with each show. Each episode features in-depth conversations with experts, thought leaders, as well as personal stories and experiences that will bring the world around us to life. Whether you're a curious newcomer or a passionate enthusiast, come with me on a journey of discovery and enlightenment. Tune in every week and join me as I demystify all things that touch life. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Confidential, the masculine edition. Today I have, and if you haven't had an opportunity or the pleasure to hear Dr. Nikos Apostolopoulos, when I had him on my show and we discussed divorce, you're in for a treat today because he is going to blow your mind. I consider him a friend as well as so many other things because he is that and many other things. He is an almost double PhD. So let that blow your mind for a little bit very well studied, has a master's in philosophy. And what have I forgotten? Nothing. You've said everything that I've actually paid you for. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't this what you said during the last podcast we did? Yeah. My check's in the mail. (laughs) He really is. I mean, he's going to blow your mind because he really is that smart. Um, The reason why I enjoy my conversations with him so much is because truly they are that enriching. So it really shows that an education goes a long way and not necessarily because it comes from a an educational institution, but because he really has the capacity and his mind has the capacity to really expand yours if you're in conversation with him. So you're in for a treat today. Dr. Apostolopoulos. Yes, I'm going to start detox. <laughs> detox, of course. That's how he knows me, my my detox journey. Yeah. I'm going to start this conversation and I'm going to get straight to the point. Tell us, what is masculinity to you? Masculinity to me. Wow, that's to the point. Uh, I actually will take the yin and yang approach to masculinity. I think that it's a fabrication of... Uh, the feminine as well. We need to basically tap into uh, who we are. Okay. For me being a male, uh, I, I see masculinity as, you know, being the macho person, but that again is a Hollywood fabrication. If you, okay. For me, it's a good question because I've never really thought of that. Simone, you put me on the spot. (laughs) Who wants to put on the spot in a PhD, almost a uh, double PhD? Come on. Well, come on now. You mean my Pizza Hut delivery degree. Uh, the, diploma. Yeah. <laughs> or actually, the, the other thing I forgot to tell you, PhD stands for permanent head damage. So I don't know why you want me on your, <laughs> why you want me on this uh, podcast. Uh, masculinity is a continuum uh, of, uh, if we look at, um, a line and the anchor points 
are the feminine and the masculine. Masculinity to me is somewhere in between where we have to look at our sensitive side because that is very, very important. And I think a lot of males out there don't really tap into their sensitive side because we have been conditioned, especially me coming from a Greek family, we have been conditioned to be the tough of people, the the heroes, the the embodiment of uh, sacrifice for the family, and it, it, to some sense, that's done a disservice for the child in me as I was growing up. That you know, I wasn't able to express uh, the side of me, the the real sensitive side, the side that uh, was looking for love and emotional support. Never got that. And I think masculinity is a mosaic of a lot of emotions, uh, a lot of tapping into um, the sensitive side. Because one thing is that you look at the masculine male in Hollywood, and he is the, the Charles Bronson. He is the uh, uh, the Charlton Heston, or these are old actors, of course. So a lot of young people may not know who I'm talking about. The Bruce Willis, maybe. The Bruce Willis people, but that's just the fabrication. That's just us trying to create this this idea of a hero in society, and 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 heroes are supposed to be uh, self-sacrificing, uh, uh, very tough under situations of. Uh, of, um, how do you say, where it calls upon you being the, what we call the Kiverniti, which is the, the uh, person who steers the boat through the storm, you know, the, the hero, uh, the hero complex, that to me is what has been fabricated by uh, Hollywood. But to me, I personally believe that a real masculine person is a person that actually digs deep down inside and brings out the emotions uh, of which are a major part of our lives. That's really that's really well summed up because, and you bring up such a great point because I think that to a very high degree, men have abdicated the power or even the willingness to look within themselves to see what makes them masculine. And they have adopted what you just said, but what, Hollywood has fabricated and they have actually adopted that as what it makes a man masculine. And then they have actually gone out into the world and exhibited that unable to connect to another human being, unable to have real deep connections, even to the feminine mm -hmm. in their relationships with women, perhaps even in their relationships with their mothers. And that has done such a disservice. So in it's actual not truth. just a disservice, it's a disconnect because you mm -hmm. are actually, how do you say, um, not appreciating the other half of you. That's right. Which is the feminine side. That's right. You know, I'm not saying the feminist, I'm saying the feminine side, the side that allows you to be able to sit back and cry and be happy and enjoy life and be sad in life. We're made to think that tough men should not tap into that because otherwise you're a mouse, you're not a man, and that's wrong. And that's where we have this big disconnect in society uh, uh, amongst males. Um, 
And it's, and um, unless we start teaching people to be able to tap into that part of themselves, and I'm talking about males in general, we will always feel half accomplished, half a brain. We're not really, really allowing ourselves to experience the other half, which is truly what makes up a human. And I think another important point you just brought up is that through that self-exploration, coming face-to-face with that other side, the feminine side, perhaps would make men understand women better. And we can mm-hmm. have better connections of the mm-hmm. man-woman in, in our relationships as men-woman, um, whether they are romantic or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Because at least we're, we're able to tap into how a woman thinks, how a woman feels, what leads her to think or feel that way. And how we as men, and I'm not talking about myself, but men in general, I'm thinking from their perspective, how men can respond to those needs of women and vice versa, of course. But we're talking about men here. So that's why I wanted to really focus and and highlight the things that are important for men so that they can get back into their Well, real men don't cry. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> don't, you, don't you dare cry because you're not a man, you know? No, no. I think- until men start really tapping into their other half, the stuff that's been somewhat subdued or uh, sub, sub, supplanted by uh, the indoctrination of what it is to be a man in society, um, that until they they break that sh- those shackles and sort of say, you know what? Yeah, I am going to cry. Yeah, I am going to express my emotions. You know, these are healthy things. And I think the reason why a lot of males become explosive in relationships is because they haven't been really taught to to express this part of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those, so those emotions that are suppressed and trapped inside seek to have an outlet, and eventually they get sort of they accumulate, um, and then one day they come, they come kind of flying out because they are looking to be expressed. So they are expressed, except that they're not expressed in a very positive manner. Well, look at this guy who basically took a van and drove it down Young Young Street. Street. And what was his excuse? He was an incel. Uh, How do you say? What is it? Involuntary celibate. Well, you know what? That's your choice, but it doesn't give you the right to basically then be angry at the world, be angry at women because you weren't allowed to express how you were feeling. So you then decide to take a car, turn it into a weapon and kill innocent people because you didn't tap into that part of you that was very, very important important that needed to be expressed. Do you think that that what you just described there, that example is a representation of what's called toxic masculinity? Um. I don't know if that particular one is an example of toxic masculinity. So I need to ask you, first and foremost, what are you defining as toxic masculinity, Simone? Because I hear this term being thrown left, right, and center, and I am confused sometimes. So fill me in. Let me know what you think toxic masculinity is, so then I could basically better answer that question. So I, to be honest with you, I don't know how we got to the idea of masculinity being toxic. Mm. I, I'm, I assume that it's the, when men exhibit certain traits Mm -hmm. that seem toxic, but I, 
I'm a big believer that there are a lot of toxic feminine, like there's toxic femininity just as just as much, especially if you look through the divorce lens where women take advantage, manipulate, and try to land on their feet by taking everything that the man has worked hard to build in that relationship and in that family unit. Um, but I think for me in particular, and because I come from the background that I come, and you would understand this because you come from a very European, like hardcore Similar European. Similar background, yeah. That's right. Um, toxic masculinity for me is when um, the masculine, therefore the men, people that express the masculine energy, take it to the extreme end of the spectrum. And you're talking about getting violent. Violence. What about uh, the what about the fact that regardless of violence, what about becoming emotional manipulators? Yep, emotional manipulators, emotional unavailability, mm -hmm. um, uh, forced access to sex. I mean, I think back to my father when during a discussion, he he actually really articulated that it's a woman's there's a man should not even ask like he can easily go and get sex from his wife whether she likes it or not mm -hmm. so in other words he was of the belief that a woman would be available to him whether she so, wanted to or was not you know so you're basically saying the idea that a woman is property that the idea that a woman is property the idea mm -hmm. that a woman would have to be available to every man's whim so basically you dehumanize and depersonalize her. She does. She's not allowed to have a personality or a view mm -hmm. of her own. Mm -hmm. um, the enforcement of such, because men who are in that extreme side of masculinity um, have, and this has been very prevalent in society, and now there is a swing in the opposite direction. Um, the suppression of of women, uh, the idea, and you see it a lot even in the industry, in the um, entertainment industry especially in music where women are hoes and bitches and um, the hypersexualization of women, um, young girls even. So the idea that if you want to get to stardom, despite the fact that you may have stellar talents, you still have to hypersexualize yourself. So then there's a commercialism aspect behind this. So how right. do we take this whole idea of commercialism and the masculine. Well, again, it goes back to what I talked about earlier on. We have been sort of bred to believe that, uh, you know, the ideal male is the, you know, the, the rock, the, uh, uh, Char you know, Dwayne Johnson, his portrayal of what a male is supposed right. to be, you know, the, the, the John Cena's, the Bruce Willis is like you said, we don't flinch. We're just, as a matter of fact, we're like, computers were automatons there is no emotion inside of us um this again is a is a commercial a commercial construct of what and, and you got to think think sit back and think that i think this whole idea of the creation of a hero is what society wants and males have been forced to become the society's definition of a hero, uh, the person that self-sacrifices, the person that throws themselves in front of a train to basically save the other people, you know, the, and this is a construct of society trying to basically find the, their myth. 
their mythology of what it is to be a male. Like you looked at uh, Nietzsche, who said, uh, you know, the construct of the Superman, the Ubermunch, uh, that the male is considered um, a hero. He's a Superman. He is godlike. And again, it was society trying to look at people to to make them bigger than what they really are, because we need to believe in an image of a, a person that fulfills our inadequacies, because a lot of males feel inadequate in society. If I can't provide for my family, if I if I'm unemployed, if uh, you know I am not um, how do you say uh, successful, if I'm not the wolf of Wall Street, mm. we're nothing because that's how society has made us believe that we need to be successful. So society has taken this construct of what they deem as a successful male. And now you've got all these people around there trying to fill that construct. And this is where you have the, the disconnect from reality. And people sit back and constantly, constantly compare males, constantly comparing themselves, females too, but like a lot of females compare themselves to the Kardashians, you know, like, mm, you know, yes. and, no, and, no. and us males are comparing ourselves to, I don't know, the Rupert Murdoch's or the, or the, well, who's the guy um, who owns Tesla? Uh, oh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. You know, this is the successful person. You need to be like that when we should be allowed to live and be whom we really are and allowed to express our emotions and and be loving towards ourselves. We define ourselves on a social construct that is so far removed from reality. So if you were to, okay, because you're a PhD, so you have done You've done extensive research for your um, for your thesis, so you have the ability to think way outside of what the social construct is. Mm -hmm. If you were to strip away all the social bullshit and what the the Hollywood and the movie industry has um, created put together and created and and shoved down our throats as being the be all end all of the masculine men. What do you see a masculine man as being, taking all of that away? A loving individual that is allowed to be who, what they've grown up to be, divine. A very, we are divine people inside of us, but our ego has been manipulated in such a way by an external thing, which we do not allow ourselves to really see ourselves for whom we really are. So if I were to sort of say, strip all that construct away, what would I basically, I'd like to take myself back to the child, because that's the real us, that the little child, that inner child inside of us, that's the real us that's been crying to be able to express itself for so many years. And it's been hidden behind all these illusions, because the child wasn't allowed to be a child to express itself for what it had when it came onto this planet, this earth, whatever you want to call it, and be allowed to, to really feel what it is to be human. We don't feel it. We're basically 
told what we should be like, and we actually do ourselves a disservice. So if you were to take away all of that, we would be more in touch with our divine self, with our spiritual beings. And um, we'd be a child again. Because would, to me, the uh, the child is the utmost expression of what it is to be human. The ability, you look at a child and it has no problem entertaining itself for hours. That's right. Or you look at a child and it giggles at the most, how do you say, um, things that we would look at it and through our adult eyes and say, oh, why is she laughing at that? Or she's laughing at that. That makes no sense. But to them, it's just an expression of, uh, of beingness to be at that moment. And it's most purest form. Correct. Yes. So I think that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong and would love to know how you feel about it. Society has become so patriarchal to the extent that it has created what we have playing out in the world right now. We are so far removed, not only from who we are, from our deepest connections to ourselves and to, let's say, the feminine so that we can create that connection. Because if you really look at it, and I'm going to go... I'm going to go a little sideways here. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that that divorce is so prevalent and you have women talk shit about men and how horrible they are, and you have men talking shit about women and how, how horrible they are, we still seek to have and find that connection. I mean, a lot of people are on the dating uh, websites or apps from the various people that mm -hmm. I've asked and spoken with about this. So we still seek to have that. But the the patriarchal side of society has created, because I'm a big believer that, that it's that society that has created this negative connotation, both on the feminine and on the masculine side, which is what's preventing us from connecting. What do you think it made, made society so patriarchal that it actually has taken us so far away from who we really are? No, the the first thing you got to realize is that you're talking about Western society because there are a lot of societies out there that are matriarchal as well. And for instance, you're not a Jew or you're not Jewish. You you cannot be defined as a Jewish person from your father's lineage. You're defined as a Jewish person from your mother's lineage. That's matriarchal. But mm -hmm. I think your question is more importantly, it doesn't have to do with being, um, well, it does to some extent. I see your point, patriarchal. I think it more or less has to do with what society has defined as what it is to be male. And that's, that's, that's a definition, again, created by uh, certain constructs, certain psychiatrists, certain psychologists, uh, this whole idea of what we call uh, success. Uh, I'll give you a classic example. This whole idea of the American dream. What is the American dream? What is the pressure that is put on a male person in the Western hemisphere to define what the American dream is? Which is, you go to school, you get a degree, you find yourself a good job, then you find yourself a partner, and you guys get together and then you work towards a common goal, which is buying a house with the white picket fence. And then you have kids, dogs, you know, cars, X, Y, and Z. And that is the construct of 
success, the American dream. Well, let me tell you how that got created. It got created in the 40s by a lady named Anna Freud, the daughter of, you guessed it, Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud. Yes. And another person that was that had a beautiful hand in creating this American, this falsity, this, this, this illusion of what it is to be successful as a male was a guy by the name of Edward Bernays, who is the nephew of Sigmund Freud. Now, World War II had just ended. You are bringing back home males that have seen atrocities that were unspoken of and unheard of up until that time. Now, I mean, what's happening in the Ukraine and the Russian war and all this stuff is the same thing. The, the atrocities continue. Rapes, killings, the sport of just killing somebody because you know they, they don't believe in your ideology. It's fucked. It's fucked. Yeah, I do swear. You know, but the thing is, so now the American government reaches out and says, how are we going to control this animal, this, this, this rawness? Well, let's create the illusion of the American dream, because that way we're able to say, this is what we define as success. And if you fall within those parameters, you're going to be a successful person. And accepted. And accepted. This whole acceptance thing. So you, ta you talked about dating things. Why do people go on dating apps? I haven't been on a dating app. I mean, I mean I've been single now for six years, you know, but because of acceptance. Because we think if we're, you know, if we're by ourselves, then there's something wrong with us. And not only that, but there are a lot of other people that will look at you that are in a relationship thinking, is there something wrong with you? I mean, you're by yourself. You shouldn't be by yourself. You know, maybe the there's something wrong with you and, the, and people can't accept you for whom you are. So now we sort of sit back and think, boy, I need to be accepted. And what's the acceptance idea in society? I've got to be successful and I've got to have myself a beautiful woman by my side mm -hmm. or a man or whatever it is right now, because everything has changed so much, <laughs> you know, and only then will I be looked at, will I be looked at again, a construct outside of myself, a construct of not being who I really am, but I am trying to portray myself is what society sees as a successful person, whether it be a male or a female. And that's outside of yourself again. I'd like to take a quick break now to let you know that today's show is sponsored by my book, Against Medical Advice. This book is a memoir, and it tells the story of how I built my life back after suffering a stroke during my divorce. I discuss the nutritional, lifestyle, and mindset aspects that I put into practice to regain my health and rebuild my life. The book has been a labor of love, both writing it and publishing it, and I couldn't be more proud of it. Please pick up your copy from Amazon. For your very own signed copy, my email address is simone at simonegisandi.com. Oh, and I'd really appreciate it if you'd please consider leaving a review once you've read the book. And now, back to the show. This has all been manipulated. This has all been created. There has been a master plan. So when a person falls outside of that box and thinks differently, oh my God, you know, there's something wrong with you because you don't fall within the norm. You're an outlier. 
There's a really good book that I recommend for a lot of people to read. It's been one of my favorite books. I even liked it so much. I tried to find an original copy, but that's very expensive. But it was by a person named Ayn Rand or Ayn Rand, A-Y-N-R-A-N-D. Uh, and it's the, the book's called Fountainhead. Talks about a guy named Howard Rourke, who is an architect, who did not sacrifice his beliefs in creating the buildings that he wanted to create because he believed that this was his path, this was his road, this is what he believed in himself. And there was another guy named Peter Keating who actually was helped by Howard Rourke to develop this building that uh, Thule, or Thule, I think, was the guy, the architect um, sort of uh, critic in the newspaper that manufactured this whole idea that this Peter Keating guy is the world's best architect and stuff like this. So Peter Keating gets sort of swept up in the wave of fame and stardom and stuff like this, but he wasn't true to himself or Howard Rourke was true to himself. So you ask me, what is masculinity? Your first question is, I think it's a person, it's not defined as a masculine or a feminine. It's a person who's true to themselves. Don't you think that there are energies that we express differently in the sense of, because, and I'm sure you can agree with me, because during my own self-exploration and self-reflection, I think I've exhibited some very masculine traits, even mm -hmm. though I'm a woman and I have seen very feminine men mm -hmm. who are in men's bodies, clearly, mm -hmm. like with the anatomy yeah. and physiology of men. And then as myself with the anatomy and physiology of a woman. And don't you think that we just express certain energies or certain traits that are typically assigned to the opposite of who we are? For example, um, for myself, I would much rather not because it feels exhausting and again, very, very far from who I truly am. However, because of everything that has happened in my life and the way that my life has unfolded. So I come from a very uh, violent childhood where I was beaten and abused. Uh, not that I'm trying to make myself a, a victim. However, I was, that, be I was beaten as well. That's right. I mean, that, that's a very, that's a that very was typical sort of how do you say European, uh, European, but more or less migrants, because you got to realize, and we got to cut our parents some slack as well in this, Simone. That's how they were raised. That's right. Yes. However, the, I think that our, the essence of who we are doesn't know that we just know love. We obviously didn't have that connection to our parents. And what happened is I constantly, I felt and I kind of was trained to constantly try to to um, keep myself safe. And typically, that is a, typically is assigned to the masculine. They are the 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 ones who keep us women safe. They are the protectors. They are the providers. So having had been forced to keep myself safe and protect myself, I slipped into that masculine energy on an ongoing basis that I practiced every day. And you know, what we practice, we become really good at. I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna try to stay away from saying we perfect it, but we definitely become really good at it. Now, fast forward to when I, I was married, I came into the marriage with those masculine traits, practicing them 
on a, you know, and perpetuating them. And then once I get divorced, now I'm the sole provider in my own household. So now I'm even deeper into the masculine. When my children are with me because they lived with me so that they could go to the school and their father got them on the weekends, I had to keep them safe. So I had to also protect them. Now I'm even deeper into the masculine. Well, let me say, let me say to you this, Simone, rather than us defining it as masculine and female. Feminine. Feminine. Thank you. Why don't we really see it as what we needed to do in order for us to just survive, period? That's what I mean. So it was a survival mechanism. It wasn't a true, it wasn't true being in your true essence and in your true energy as you intended when you took on the body. and, And let me say to you then that if we go back to the spiritual, then I don't think the spiritual has that distinction of being female or male or feminine and masculine. I honestly think that the spiritual just is. Right. We have created this definition based on our ego construct. I've got this thing hanging between my legs. I'm male. I'm masculine. I've got testosterone. I'm male. I'm masculine. I don't have this thing hanging between my legs. I'm female. I've got estrogen. These are definitions created by society to basically pigeonhole us as to where and what and how we need to behave based on our anatomy. But if we go to the spiritual, I don't think the spiritual has anatomy. Right. So the spiritual does not have anatomy and it does not have gender. However, don't you think that when we took on a body, so when we incarnated Mm -hmm. and we had certain tendencies, which Mm -hmm. were innate and it's instinctual, wasn't that a declaration as well as an exhibition of the Mm -hmm. feminine and the masculine energies, you know, respectively? And we expressed them. So those that came out with the anatomy of a woman expressed that in their way, which was however it was back in the day. And the masculine expressed it in the way that it was back in the day. I mean, we come from, you know, being hunters and gatherers and the women being home and nurturing. So men, do you think that, do you think that that was a social construct even way back in the day when men would go out to hunt to bring home food and to protect their families? I think when you're looking at anatomy and now you're defining strengths and force and the ability to um, survive in the environment, well, if the woman is considered a creator of life, which is basically what they do, you know, they give birth to we are the portal yes yeah then i think it was only a matter of the male looking at that and saying we need to protect the feminine body because that was the thing that we were going to get our uh progeny from Mm -hmm. so from that point of view you're not going to put the female in a situation where they are uh, exposed to the elements and can be killed because if the female is killed, then I don't have the ability to create a child. 
which is very important. Look at the bees, for instance, man. Look at the queen. The queen bee doesn't go anywhere. I mean, when she does, then, you know, the other bees are following her. But she is basically in the cells, in the beehive, being catered to and being taken care of because even the bees know that this is how our species will continue to evolve. So if we go back to the hunters and gatherers, they looked at the female. And if you look at some old statues of the, the females back then, the exaggeration of the hips and the exaggeration of the boobs is massive. Because in their eyes, they thought that this was the thing that needed for our society to continue to evolve and continue to grow. So the female was always protected, you know, mm. from that point of view. Right. Now, as for characteristics that you said you're female and you have characteristics of male and, you know, I'm a male and I have characteristics of the feminine side inside of me. I think more importantly, that's uh, a nature. It, it's more than nature. It's a nurture. It's our environment, how we grew up in our environment. If you grew up in a very, uh, in, a, in an environment where you were taught at a young age that, you know, keep your mouth shut because if you don't, you're going to get slapped. Um, and you were taught to be tough because if you don't, you are like, for instance, if, uh, I cried, I'd be hit even more because you know what? A male doesn't cry. You know, he can't cry. You can't express crying because that's not a male thing, mm -hmm. you know? So in your case, you realized at a young age that, okay, in order for me to survive my environment, I needed to basically tap into certain things, which we as society have defined as male. You know, I've got to punch a person in the face. Well, a nice woman doesn't punch a person in the face. Come on now. No, 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 no. A woman sits back and is meek and humble and not meek, uh, humble and listens and, you know, continues forward. No, no, no. This is a construct. This is the, the environment has constructed. Your environment has constructed you to take on male, a male persona or a male idea because you needed to survive in that environment itself. And wouldn't then that environment be the catalyst to that, which was the catalyst to that catalyst would mm -hmm. have been the way that my father was behaving, which is so far removed from what he should have done, which is what you said earlier, where you protect the feminine. Mm -hmm. and And yet there are... I mean, anatomically and physiologically, men are stronger than women, and they Correct. they have been constructed as such by this the is divine. why this is why there's a big debate right now of do you allow transsexual males in a female sport? Yes, and my course. answer to that is, I don't no. care who's listening. The answer is no. Yes, because absolutely. they were born with a certain amount of hormones that defined them as a male and muscle mass and everything like this. So yeah, so they have those... abilities that that women do not have, so it's not an yeah. even playing field. Nope. And and in the same way, the point I was trying to make is that that's exactly how it should be if a man has the strength and the power and he does so to protect, mm -hmm. but yet he uses that strength and power to actually um hurt 
hurt, harm, um, mm-hmm. and suppress what is feminine, then obviously that will give um, that will, that would give birth to certain behaviors and actions from the feminine that might not necessarily be what is conducive to a connection with the masculine. Hmm. So what I'm trying to say is that the patriarchal society and its tendencies will create the very thing that the masculine finds repulsive. Um, Well, the patriarchal society, and basically, if you look at why it's called patriarchal, is again, that inheritance comes down from the male line. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that, you know, so the male is the most important thing in this line itself. But I'd like to sort of go back to one fine Greek saying that came from my big fat Greek wedding that says, the male may be the head, but the woman controls the neck. Uh, yes. She controls in which direction the head goes. <laughs> Correct. So the thing is, I think more importantly, it's looking at how society has defined what it is to be a male, what it is to be a female. And now that's all changing. And I think it's creating a big confusion as well. And that's as far as I'm going to go for this stuff. And now being a male in such a society, you have no foundation as to how you need to express yourself as a male anymore. So that's exactly that's exactly what I... I wanted to discuss with you and the the very topic of of what I wanted to get out of this show is the masculine rising. How do we get men back to being masculine in the way that they are meant to? And I'm talking about um, before the construct of Hollywood and so on and so forth. Being in touch with who you are at your core in the expression of the masculine through the physiology and anatomy that you took on when you came here for the human experience. Because it's, we are so far removed right now that from what I can see, men are being weakened. And you could see it even in the Hollywood construct. Because if you look at TV shows like The Simpsons, men are portrayed as dumb, fat, um, useless individuals. And if you look at, if you recall that show, it was called uh, Married with Children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bundy, whatever his name was. Al Bundy. That's it. And he was portrayed exactly as that too. So there has been this breakdown of the masculine men, even though the hero on the big screen, like you were talking about the Dwayne Johnsons and all the other the the other heroes that are self-sacrificing and they and they go and they save the world and they can do everything and they're strong and powerful. How do we get men back to being the their true masculine? And I'm talking about true in the sense of the way that masculinity and the expression of the masculine energy is intended to be. That boils down to, will society allow that to happen again? Do you think that society has to allow it? I honestly think that society to some extent has created the construct of what, uh, how much males have changed. You know, um, uh, you're not allowed to express yourself the way, mm. you know, you should express. I'm not talking about going out there and beating people up. You know, that's a male thing. No, I'm talking about the fact is that there has now become no, there's no delineation in society with regards to 
roles anymore of what it is to be a female, of what it is to be a male. That's all been, that's all been dissolved, Mm -hmm. blurred. So now you're sitting back there as a male thinking, and as a female as well, what is my role in society? And you realize that that's been taken away from you as well. You, um, I don't know, to me, it's, it's, it has to do with how things have changed immensely over the last 10, 15 years of how things are being portrayed and um, with regards to movies and, and television series and all this stuff. It's almost as if society is trying to um, redefine what it is to be a male and redefine what it is to be a female. So, yeah, it's society that is determining if we'll ever be allowed to go back to that type of masculinity again. So in that regard, do you think that we'll ever be able to recalibrate of our own volition in the way that it seems to be natural to us? Or will we always be under the thumb of society and our governments that steer that ship and steer the direction in which we will go whether we're women or men or non-binary or all the other nonsense. Yeah, well, well, look at the thing like you're talking about now. Look at all the pronouns. He, she, it, that, this. That is a construct of society right now. And I think that being either male or female in such a society, and especially people from our generation, we're sitting back there scratching the top of our heads thinking, where do I fit in? How do That's I right. fit in? That's right. How do and, I fit in? And yet you will you'll be surprised but a lot of the women that I've spoken with are actually yearning to be with a man that's in his it's in his Element. essence of masculinity. Yes, because we we are seeking that connection and I think it's on a subconscious level that we yearn for that. And I've spoken even with men who are looking for feminine women and women who are looking for masculine men that could be the the protectors and the providers and the examples to the children that they have fathered, especially like the male children that need to be a model on how they themselves can integrate into society vis-a-vis how they identify. And will we ever be able to get back to that based on just the question that you posed? How do we fit in? Will we ever be able to recalibrate so that we can actually operate from our true yeah, authentic I think selves? the only yeah, it, I'll tell you what it is. It's called a nuclear holocaust. Oh boy. Honestly, we have we're too far gone. We're too far gone to be able to sort of sit back and say this is a male role, this is a female role. Things have been dissolved. Things have somewhat morphed into confusion. We're too confused nowadays. You go out there and, you know, I go out there, we've gone out for coffee and you many a times and you sit back and you see how people relate to one another. And mm-hmm. to me, it's just so foreign. It's so illusional. There's an illusion behind it that people aren't allowed to, to be males. People aren't allowed to be females. Mm-hmm. The, you know, and... And we're, and we're bringing that confusion into our kids. Oh, especially the kids. I mean, this is very prevalent in the educational institutions where they go and they spend 
most of their day, much like we are in our workplaces where we spend most of our day. And if a man looks or says the wrong thing, it's sexual harassment. And if you, if you address, I remember I got in trouble one time working for the government. I remember this. And there was this woman who was a lesbian and in an email one morning, I, I started the whole email who was addressed to this individual plus others. And I said, good morning, ladies. They were all females. This woman was a lesbian. And I'm assuming that she identified as the masculine in her respective relationship with whomever she was with. And HR pulled me aside to say that I offended her because I started the email with good morning, ladies. Mm. So imagine... I mean, speaking of the confusion that you were just mentioning. Well, look, when we grew up, when I grew up, when I grew up, a male opened the door for a female. Yes. Chivalry. A male, actually, you know how many times we've gone for a walk and I say, I get the outside. Yes. Yes. Because I was taught that the male walks closest to the street where there's cars. Why? Because, you know, the female needs to be protected. That's right. That's not just me, you know, that's not me sort of, uh, how do you say, forcing uh, myself as being superior to you. And this is where the confusion comes in. It's just me, how I grew up in a society which respected the definitive roles of what a male should do and what a female should do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that a female's job is to be home, you know, doing the dishes, uh, making dinner, taking care of the kids. I, I think it's great that women can go out in society and work and, and, and contribute and, 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 you know, create the environment where they're able to earn for themselves because it makes you feel special that you've got the power, the energy to create and do something and get paid for it. That's a good thing. But I'm not saying that we need to look down on people like myself because I open the door for you or, you know, I I walk on the outside or I, you know, I put my coat on uh, on the floor so you can walk over it. That's 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 something nice. That's something remove it from the construct of being male and female. That's just downright decency and respect. And and I know that if a feminist was to, let's say, if you were to be doing that I opened that the door for thing, a woman and she yes. basically got pissed off at me. There you go. Because or I, was, I was forcing my maleness on her that, right. you know, I could open the door myself. That's Why right. Why are you doing it for me? And I sat back there and I listened and I said to my, and I'm, I, this is where the confusion walks in where I, I looked at this person and I thought to myself, well, that's how I was taught when I was growing up that you do stuff like that. And, you know, I give you an example. I was, I do a lot of walking in the morning and there was a big ice storm, I don't know, about a month and a half ago. And I saw this elderly lady, she was probably in her eighties and she was coming down a hill and it was icy. So what am I supposed to do? The modern male would just leave her alone, let her do her own thing, because you know what, you, oh, no, 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 you don't want to go there and sort of, uh, you know, uh, um, get force involved, you know, force your way or try. 
try to uh sorry try, try to, to try, try to, to make... force the way that this is going to to unfold but fortunately for me she was a lady in her 80s and she actually appreciated the fact that I took the time out of my day to go down there and help her mm-hmm. come down you know uh the ice i'm not saying uh, hey, look at me, look at, I'm the hero because I actually <laughs> prevented her from falling. It's how I grew up. It was how I was trained, not trained, but this is how we grew up in the society back then. So take that idea and now bring it into modern society and you're left there confused as to what it is a male needs to do in society. And I think that the same can apply even to women, although it's probably yep. more prevalent in men, because even receiving certain things or being left to kind of want the man to be doing what is rightfully a man's, let's say, role or job and not be able to, or even have what's a woman's job be taken away from you, mm. much like it's happened in a lot of the family units now where, you know, the woman goes out to make money and the man stays home to raise the kids, even though does a man know how to offer that nurturing aspect of what a woman, and especially like vis-a-vis giving birth, you have that connection where you exchange certain um, certain things like in the where the baby has to breastfeed, you exchange the baby's saliva enters the woman's nipple so that there's an exchange of the immune system uh, fluids and so on and so forth, which goes beyond what the medical uh, Mm -hmm. industry looks at. You strip that away in the name of having this equality. We are so far removed from how nature sort of made us to be. And, And that is because we want the feminists to not be offended and we want to make sure that you know those same feminists feel equal to men that they're able to do what men can do and that men feel equal to women that they can do what women can do and vice versa i'd like to see a male give birth it's never gonna happen too. actually i remember when i was married and of course i mean even dating i would love to see a man go through a like menstrual no we can't I mean, listen it's never gonna happen so again Society now has created this construct that, you know, if uh, that has changed these roles forever. Now, let me give you, and we could end off on this note too, but let me give you a classic example of this whole idea of what it is to be male and what it is to be female. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go back to Louise, who was my former partner and the mother of my children. So this is the mother. This is the female part. Thalia, our first daughter, would cry and Louise would be up like a flash because her ear as a mother is tuned to the crying of the child. That's right. Okay. And not only that, but as a mother of, you know, Thalia, Thalia, our daughter, you can be in a park with about 50 other children and you've probably done this too, Simone. You could hear Marcus and you know that that's Marcus's voice amongst those 50 kids. That's right. Louise would know that that's Thalia's voice amongst those 50 kids. Yes. Okay. Now, there's one particular night where I'm sleeping away and Louise gets up in the middle of the night to feed Thalia. And because she heard the baby cry, I didn't hear Louise. I didn't hear Thalia at all. 
Now, Louise comes back to bed and the next door neighbor's front door window was smashed and they were being robbed. <gasps> Does Louise get up? No. Louise slept through that. I got up. <laughs> Police came. Fire engines came. Louise slept through the whole thing. Oh my goodness. <gasps> but I didn't because that's how I was uh, through nature, conditioned to think that, my God, there's danger here, which will affect my family. I have to protect my family. Correct. And that is something that has been taken, uh, that nowadays, I don't know if it's prevalent. It's, I'm hoping that it still is, but you know, that's what I think was the big difference between the male and the female. Bye. I really yeah. think that we can, I, I really do believe, and, and based on everything that you've just said, and I'm, thank you for answering all my questions, I really do believe that we could get back to center and recalibrate. And one of the most important things that you said is that we go back to who we really are, sort mm -hmm. of explore yourself, go inside rather mm -hmm. than outside of yourself. So don't look mm -hmm. at what the TV shows you, don't mm -hmm. listen to what the media tells you. Don't watch the don't don't go to the movies and think that, well, I have to be like that guy to be considered masculine. Oh, yeah. When we were growing up, man, I thought to myself, in order for me to be, you know, attractive to women, I had to be like the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, that's it. You know, by my by my again, these are constructs created by society that if I buy the gargoyle glasses, wear the the bloody jacket like Arnold Schwarzenegger was wearing it, then I am a male. I am the quintessential male, the tough guy. It's all bullshit. Because yeah, you know, so a male, the male, the male is 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 more complex. Because if you really think about it, we may have more testosterone, but we still have estrogen. Women may have more estrogen but they still have some testosterone. Mm -hmm. So if you were to say to me, what is masculinity? I would say to you, masculinity is a combination of female and male traits. And we need to be able to identify with those things. And then we go back to nature, which is definitive roles, a woman's role and... I'm probably, if this goes on YouTube, I'll probably be, you know, crucified for the ostracized. But a woman's role basically is the most important role, which is to take care of the child. The male's role is to take care of both of them. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. and there's nothing wrong with that. There's, no, I'm not saying anything that is not, that is counter to what's out there. This is, you look at, uh, the animals, it's the same thing. You look at an, a lion. Uh, who does all the hunting and all this stuff? The female, right? The lion sits around. But when it comes to protecting its pride, the male steps up. That's right. That's right. So I think that we can learn so much from nature. And if we were to go inwards and listen and um, ask ourselves the questions, and I am actually conducting coaching sessions right now. Right now I'm doing um a group session with uh, for divorced men and coaching in and of itself is uh, having somebody guide you to, by asking the, the the most appropriate questions for you to find the most appropriate answers that will allow you to see who you really are 
and what steps you can take. And I highly advise you gentlemen who are listening to take that step to be able to kind of come face to face with yourself, to be able to identify, shut out the world and turn off the noise and be able to sit in silence, which I know Dr. Astopoulos um, Apostolopoulos. Apostolopoulos, sometimes Thank I you. believe. Yes, um, which I know that you're a big fan of because you spoke about this during the um, divorce, divorce show where you said that in silence, we're able to find the answers that we seek. And, in and we're silence, able, we are, and we're we're able, able to, to listen ourselves. to ourselves and to That's listen right. to that child, that child that has been somewhat silenced. That's right. So if you really want to find out how to tap into your masculine, you really have to go inwards. Correct. Turn off the turn off the world, turn off the voices that are whispering in your ear from the media and the movies and the shows and social media especially. Don't listen to any gurus, don't listen to any experts. The only expert that there is that can teach you on how to be a masculine man is you yourself and all your answers are mm -hmm. always going to be inside. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Apostolopoulos, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for your wisdom and your knowledge and for identifying what you see to be as masculine, what you see to be as what's needed to be done and walking us through some of your experiences and obviously imparting so much of your wisdom that you hmm. have in your that. life with your experiences, with your with your wife. And as a closing question, because this has been something that's been fascinating for me, why did you refer to your to the woman that you were married to as mm -hmm. your partner? Because in oftentimes, even in homosexual relationships or in lesbian relationships, they refer to their significant other as their partner. Why not my wife? Why not my husband, which are traditional terms that are used? And that's a good point. And I think that's probably uh, me um, being conditioned to now calling them partners, which again, I am part of society. Yeah, my wife, I don't like using the word ex-wife because that to me shows that this person has never been part of my life. But the one thing I will say is I could honestly say the mother of my children. Mm-hmm which is, you know, sort of uh, honors her as being the female part yes. of the relationship. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And us women appreciate that recognition that we are the feminine yeah. and that we are channeling that feminine energy via our um, anatomy and physiology. Mm -hmm. So once again, Dr. Astopoulos, thank you very Apostolopoulos. much. Apostolopoulos. Apostolopoulos. <laughs> oh boy, we're never, never going to get married. You can't even pronounce my name. Oh, oh my goodness. Can you imagine? Don't worry. If we were to, I would keep my name. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> much easier to pronounce. So Dr. Apostolopoulos, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for your wisdom and the knowledge that you imparted, not only for me, but also for the listeners and the audience. And we look forward to seeing you again, perhaps for another discussion where we can dissect other topics of conversation. For sure. Um, thank you, Simone, for taking the time to allow me to express my views. And it's always good. And at the end of the day, people, uh, you got to realize that these are my views and it doesn't. it's not conducive as to being the views that are out there. I'm as unique as everybody else. And these are my beliefs. But again, they're my views, they're my opinions. And uh, I hope that uh, it will give 
some people some food for thought. Thank you again. Absolutely. And we'll see you the next show. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning to The Confidential. We hope you enjoyed the episode and found it interesting and informative. Please subscribe to the show to receive notifications when new episodes are released. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at The Confidential Podcast to stay up to date with all things related to the show. We appreciate your support and welcome any feedback you may have. Until next time, stay curious and keep on learning. Thank you for listening.